everyone, it's Laila Proença here, and this is The Honest by Vera Head. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring, and honest guests about their lives, passions, and everything and anything we want to discuss. We use the veterinary world, or not, just as an excuse to talk to fascinating people. Today, I had with me Monica Gaga. Monica is a British-born, black, African, queer improviser, facilitator, host, and scripted actor and performer. So much to unpack just there. I had the pleasure to talk to Monica about all those things. We talked about taking breaks and pausing, looking after yourself, diversity, improv, feminism, Black Lives Matter, code switching, LGBTQIA+, and much more. According to Monica, even though it might look like the world has paused, it hasn't, and we are still menstruating. But don't you worry, she also gave the solution. If coconut oil can't fix it, improv can't. I couldn't have said it better. With that, I leave you to enjoy the podcast. Stay safe, wash your hands, and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody, to our new episode of the podcast, The Honest by Vetahead. Today, I have with me Monica Gaga. Monica is a British-born, black African queer improviser, facilitator, host, and script actor and performer. It's so much to unpack just there. <laughs> This is like going to be our whole interview. Just those, like the, the introduction, I want to go in all those things and talk to you about all of that. But I also saw when you're not performing, you're hosting and teaching or teaching. And you are a championing diversity in improv and trying to get as many people, as many people, particularly people of color, involved as possible. You're based in London, UK. Anything I forgot? I mean, of course, I'm sure I left out majority of your life, but like anything that you really want people to know you do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also um, am working on taking breaks as well. So like I, I know I've got a long list of things going on there. But yeah, I'm also just taking time for myself, which is a really good practice. So if you're not doing that for yourself, take some time. Join How me. How do you do possible. that, Monica? Seriously, <laughs> I was just talking to my friend yesterday and I, I keep saying that I, I, I time to turn plates, right? The image of, um, you know, the circus that the guy or woman that they... It's oh, spinning plates. plates. So my yeah. plates, I'm always spinning. One was one is about to fall. I go there, spin, 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 and I run to the next one, and that's my life. But like, <laughs> how do you do that? Take time. Oh well, I feel you're definitely not alone. Um, there's well, for me, there's options. I sometimes just have too much, and then I my body forces me because I might get um, be like, wow, I'm so tired now. I'm so stressed out. Um, but what I've been trying to do is just leaving. Oh, sorry. I, I think I should just wait because there's an ice cream van just came. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's get well, ice cream. Just That's the time for the break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, yeah. How do I take time for myself? What I try to do um, is just take pause. Also, what I do is I, I let emails pile up. 
I let Instagram uh, notifications go unanswered, the same of all other um, social media. Um, I take a break from posting, uploading something to my website that I should have probably done straight away because there is only so much time. So sometimes you've your to-do list is just your to-do list and you've got to go, well, actually, I needed to look after myself because I found that I take loads of things on and I want to I wanna do everything. Can I take on the concept of yes and that we I use know. in improv, which I'm sure yes. we'll speak about. And, um, and, then, and then you're like, oh, but if you're not 100% you, when people book Monica or you would want to spend time with me or w- with you, with anybody, they, they want you. And if you're not 100% yourself and if you're not rested, then, then you're not you and you're not giving them what they may, might need. And you're not giving yourself, more importantly, what you might need and deserve. But, but I, I, I couldn't agree more with everything. The part I have a little trouble is making it work. I already noticed, even being a mom, that if I need to put myself first, it's like the airplane, you know, you put your mask first, uh, even though you want to mm. help your kid first. But I notice, and I tell my kids that, especially my son, that, um, you know, just the other day he said something, oh, mom, but you, I don't remember exactly the comment, but it was something like, because I was busy doing something else, and he was like, oh, but you're not playing with me, kind of... Mm making me feel guilty a little bit. So I stopped him and said, you know what, Bo, right now what you're doing, you're making me feel guilty and using that. I know you're not doing like intentionally, but you're manipulating me so I feel guilty because I'm doing something for me. Um, And then I stopped him and said that, but like, how do you actually do it? Like, do you set time? Like, do you have techniques to say like, oh, from nine to 10, I do nothing but me? Or how do you actually do it? Um, to-do lists are really good. I've recently um, found a, like genuinely, I've found a whiteboard in the street. <laughs> Someone was chucking it out. Like I really like the idea of like somebody else's trash uh-huh. being my treasure. So I quite happily have secondhand things and there's so much in the world already. So if I can, I would try not to buy something new if I can, if it's not dangerous to uh-huh. myself or others. So I found the whiteboard. So making for me lists on a whiteboard. Um, also doing it now so if there's something like i need to put in my diary just put in my diary straight away or it's not going to happen just be realistic i know myself like if i say yeah yeah i'm going to do that and i haven't written it down in my diary it's not going to happen i'm going to forget so i think just being honest with your uh with your talents and also with your limitations as well because there are some things that work really well Mm -hmm. for one person but doesn't for another so for me writing down lists uh for me uh also just turning off the device because I can't be trusted I can't trust myself (laughs) I know this (laughs) so a lot of my pressure is like oh to respond to people is to to just turn it off turn off the internet put the phone in a different room close the laptop and then put it away um that's how I force myself to um to give me enough time and also giving my friends some credit Uh give them the credit of the fact of like it's okay if I don't answer straight away like I still love them I still care about them and that and they understand like I don't have to be everything for everyone Wow, that is very powerful and it's yeah I don't have social media myself because it brought me so much anxiety so I don't have Facebook or whatever Mm, I can imagine so um, that really improved my quality of life but everything else right like you're saying answering emails and whatnot I was, before COVID, I was being so good about only checking my email twice a day. But then COVID happened and kind of threw away all my system. 
um, I was being very good. I was like, okay, I only check it at noon and at four. And, and it's incredible how things solve themselves if you don't answer right away. It's incredible. Like, it's a chain of emails. Like, they need action. And then suddenly, like, someone like, oh, no, I figured out this and this. And then when I read the email, by the time I get to it, it's done. I'm like, oh, okay, delete. Uh, so, <laughs> well, that's a great yeah. method. I'm, I'm going to definitely try that. The idea of just um, checking your email yeah. twice a day is is beautiful. I got yeah. that from a book called uh, The 4-Hour Workweek. It talks a lot about that, about um, how you... Um, make your day like you eliminate he talks about elimination so you eliminate things that don't have to be done at all and you delegate like you're saying saying no to things right no your limitations delegating things that you don't mm. have to do yourself you can delegate um, and then and making things more efficient like having a system for things that um, you know happen over and over so I did said that even in my email when you uh, I don't know, we'll probably get, you probably got the message when you email me is an automatic reply saying, hey, I only check my email twice a day. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. You did, did you get that message? Uh, I'm not sure because I think I was not um, looking at my messages. Oh, no, but also I think, <laughs> I, was but we, I think also we use WhatsApp. So maybe, I don't know. But point is, I do, oh, okay, uh, yeah. and the book talks about that. Like, you know, set people's ex- expectations. Like you're saying, you tell your friends that, you might not get to them right away. So they may, oh, it's like, mm. okay, I might, I'm not going to get to you right away because I only check it twice. And so it did help. But like, honestly, the COVID and pandemic just threw everything, it threw everything off. Like, <laughs> I went back no, to definitely. zero. The planet's yeah. off. Yeah. The people are off. Yeah. I think also um, a lot of people work from home anyway, anyway, so they know how uh-huh. to deal with that. But then they've got people coming into their home that, don't yeah. usually know how to work from home so that's pushing your equilibrium a little bit off um, and then you've got people that are home working and like their house is not meant to be an office and it's definitely not meant mm-hmm. to be an office when um, the rest of the family or the people who live with you are there that's right <laughs> so people yep. are just we're relearning and we're just like we're, we're having to really just embrace change for a really long time uh, with COVID I was thinking oh everything's on pause when this happens when it's finished and then I realised I was like Monica, no, the world isn't on uh-huh. pause. Like, the world still carries on. You still have to earn money. You still have to eat. You still have to work. You still have to cry. You're still menstruating. Like, the world continues yep. to go on just because you can't go out and do things the way you wanted to do things or the way you got so used to it. Nothing's on pause. So I definitely took that. That helped me a lot by thinking, no, actually, we're not pausing. We're carrying it on and we're doing it yes, in a different you're way. you're absolutely right. That Yeah. That's very powerful. You know what? It's so interesting that we got talking and I forgot in the beginning, I always, <laughs> the beginning of the podcast, I always ask, <laughs> how did we meet? That's the first question. But uh, we start talking and, then <laughs> and that's what makes a good conversation. So um, we met, yeah. we actually never met in person, but hopefully one day we will. Yes, hopefully. But Monica, yeah, Monica is my sister's friend, uh, my sister Luana, which is also an actress and improv. Um, she knows you and she has worked with you, right? Yeah, so uh, we met for the first time in Belfast, I believe. So it was at an, um, a, yeah. an improv festival um, in Belfast and we were both... Um, uh yeah invited uh uh players and yeah it was just it was just such a beautiful 
what I love about improv, if you don't know much about improv, definitely Google it or hit up another person. But improv is definitely just making things up on the fly. And we've taken to that to the level of performance and also just a way of life as well. So it was a really nice small um, improv festival um, in Belfast. The community is just so, so beautiful really in my experience what I found was super welcoming and excited I love it when adults get excited about things that sometimes is taken Mm -hmm. away from us as an adult because it's it's kids that get a bit goofy or like really excited about this one thing no find that joy of just like I want to play and finding that joy in playing um and then we got to perform with each other and I love her as a performer because I was just like oh I've never performed with someone like this before and she's also so so physical as well and I feel like performing with people that I deem to be strong performers always just brings me Mm -hmm. up and I'm just like let me just feed off your sunshine (laughs) and just like take that in and grow (laughs) that's a good description all the one yeah um but you say that the improv is a um it's a way of life and um I I even saw it's can be applicable to your everyday life and I I'm not of course, an actress. I'm far away. And actually, there's a current joke between Luan and I that I cannot memorize anything for my life. Like, I can memorize things that work. Like, I'm a veterinarian, so I can memorize doses and diseases and everything. But, like, anything else, like lyrics, a song <laughs> lyrics, I cannot freaking memorize them or anything. And it's just, like, we, for Vetahead right now, uh, my company, we we have online courses right and so we were talking with the cinematographer and the cinematographer was like oh we need to have a script and one was like Lila cannot memorize a script like <laughs> it was so funny I was like no it needs to be coming from me I can only if I was gonna be an actress I can only play myself because I can't memorize <laughs> anything for the life of me and so and I always talk to Luana about that because it, it is so clear to me because, I'm again, I'm not in your field, but it's so clear to me how Luana uses improv in her life. Like, I have so many examples and it's so, uh, it's so light. It's such a different way, as you were saying, like to allow yourself to play even in situations. I'll, I'll give you an example. Mm. She... Um, she went to do this job for a guy, of course, was a guy, and he, she had to do some um, theatrical makeup for a shooting and what whatnot in the models, and so she did. She went. They agreed on price. They agreed on method of payment. All that. She goes there. Is is the guy and the model? She does her job. She does the makeup. At the end, as they had agreed, she goes. Goes like, oh, okay, I don't know his name or whatever, Bob. Okay, Bob, this is the end. Um, I'm I'm gonna go now. I've done my part, and um, can you please um, pay me? Which is already an awkward thing, right? You would expect a person to just pay you. Yes, you want your. He was like, yeah, and then he goes like, you know, um, well, the client hasn't paid me yet, and you know how things are, and you know, unfortunately, I don't have the resources. You know. All that conversation that we all heard so many times in so many professions. And I, the way I am, I would be ballistic. I would like, I would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you told me you were going to pay me. I was going to, you know. And that's the reaction I think majority of people, they either would be very quiet, like in compliant, or they would explode like me. Mm. But Luana simply, like simply, like did not get phased out. She <laughs> looked at the guy and said, Oh, I understand. No, I hear you. And she like calmly 
um, went to his desk, got his laptop, and started walking away. <laughs> and the guy's like, <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's like, oh wait, that's my laptop. She was like, oh, don't worry, I know, I'll take care of it. But whenever you have the money, just call me. I'll bring your laptop back. And the guy got to his wallet and paid her oh, right away, right what? there. <laughs> there we go. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's improv right there. You react, you know, on the fly because it needs to be on the fly, mm, right? Yeah. No, she didn't know that was happening. She had no way to plan for that. And she had the most creative solution. <laughs> and with no fight, with no, like, you know, commotion, she got her money. Wow. I love that. It's beautiful. <laughs> Although you, you keep saying that, like, you're, that you're like not a performer but I feel like there's a little bit of improvising all of us because we're definitely like you said on the fly it's just that intuitive thinking and playing and reacting and we do that but I think as an improviser uh -huh. I suppose we're just a little bit more awake to the fact of oh okay I want to be a hundred percent in the moment I want to be present and just see what what happens um, but yes I love that I love the fact that she just picked up his laptop great cool I know <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it, I mean, being present, I think that's what, at least to me, is so appealing about improv and, and trying to, like, sometimes I tell Luana, you should train me a little bit to use that in my life, mm. you know, and I know you do that too. I know you offer workshops for lay people um, so they can use improv in their lives, right? No, I, I feel like improv is a beautiful thing and I feel like even just doing a, a foundation level, you can definitely see how can I mm -hmm. use improv professionally um, and, prefer, um, and personally if you're in the arts or even mm -hmm. if you're not. Like I work for a company in London called Hoopla Impro and uh, mm -hmm. they offer courses and because of their location, well, because of their location, which at the moment is online, but was a lot of the time in Lon mm -hmm. London Bridge, you've got lots of professionals, people in corporate jobs, people that are crunching numbers, people that are, are, are still... Um, that um, they've got processes that they've got to use in a certain way and they're not able to exercise mm -hmm. themselves creatively or they're not given the space to um, use their creative skills, they come to improv and they're like, right, I need to, I need to get better at small talk. I need like I'm really good mm -hmm. at my job but like when it comes to that small talk in between that meeting <laughs> when I'm in the elevator I don't know what to do yeah <laughs> or some people just like I used to love like being creative and I'm at this job and it's a good job but the more I do it the more the less creative I become and the less like uh -huh. myself I become so like I just want to have uh -huh. improv or someone's just like I want to play or I want to find other adults to connect with like having sex is great and um, there's always uh -huh. someone you can find to have sex with consensually, obviously, but like to just, uh -huh. I want to just play. I want to have an adult friend that's of the same sex as me, the opposite sex of any gender, just to be like, let's make a connection because that's, I, that helps with life. If we're, we're able to make connections, we're able to it grow. It helps a lot. It actually helps you not to have your stress levels up, mm. right? Because in that situation I just said, my stress level would be like 150%. While like if I had a reaction like Luana and it's just a game, then I'm not stressed out. I'm not releasing all those, you know, all the cortisol and everything in my body. My body's not suffering the, the power of that stress mm. surge and... It's just, uh, it's beautiful. And an improv, and to the lay person, and I consider myself lay person, even though Luana tries to educate me as best <laughs> as she can. Uh, but 
I know that it's one of her pet peeves and probably yours too, that people think that improv, they go like, oh, you don't have a script. You don't need to memorize anything. It's not real. It's not a real <laughs> play. It's not real theater because you don't do anything. And I, watching Luana being her sister and seeing how much she freaking needs to work and practice, because again, those things on the fly, they don't come actually on the fly. You need to train your brain to make it work on the fly. And she practices a lot. It's a lot of practicing. And and I think, and, and explain a little bit, like very shortly abbreviated, like what is improv actually? Because people have this notion that you just go there and say whatever and that's it. Well, improv is uh, a show or exercise and activities or games where there is no script. So you're not sure what's going to come next. It's not about like acting. It's about like reacting to what's coming and it's about playing. So you might see an improvised play. So it'll be a play just like one you'll see at one of your national theatres they'll be completely mm-hmm. improvised and the actors won't know what's coming next. They're just going to go with the flow. Um, or uh-huh. they might play some, uh, like, if you've ever seen Whose Line Is It Anyway, there's um, there's games and there's rules to the different games they play, but the reactions mm-hmm. and how they do it within there, they're, they're able to be as creative mm-hmm. as they want and they improvise. So if you, if someone says to you, name thing, three things beginning with uh, red, you'll improvise it. You'll say those three things beginning with red. They might, they might, uh-huh. they might be red. They might be something completely different. Um, uh-huh. it, it does hurt me when people say, oh, it's not real art form. You're just playing. Yes, we are definitely playing. Yes, it is definitely accessible to all. But to be a strong um, improviser, um, you you got to do it. And then you got to keep doing it because you can lose it. Yeah. <laughs> It's a muscle. You need to, yeah. Definitely exercise and I, I love, it. Yeah. And I love that I saw on your website, you said, if coconut oil can't fix it, improv can. <laughs> it's like so awesome. <laughs> I, I do believe it so much. I love improv so much and I let it um, uh, leak uh, beautifully slather into all parts of um, my life and I try and live by the principles of yes and. And yes and is a concept of like accepting what's coming and building upon it. Um, I I love the like the the principle of just like let's play let's go with it let's let's find a uh-huh. solution um, and that solution uh-huh. doesn't always have to be yes but whenever you like say a no or take something away there's a a big void a big gap what are you going to fill that with you're either going to fill it with uh, one oh wow that's true you're going to fill it with your absence because you can also just go no and leave the situation that's how you uh. <laughs> you, you plug a hole you just you just leave or you're just like I don't like that idea. But how about this idea? And or as I do, you can escalate the situation. <laughs> yeah, it's build, yeah, build on it, build on it. But it's because we've all been no, to those. I'm, me- say, I'm joking. It's not a good thing. <laughs> but we've all been to those meetings where people just keep going, no, no, no. It's a void, and it keeps building, building, and you're scared to say anything yeah. because you're like, oh, it, you've got a. Um, the first idea doesn't have to be the 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 best idea. The first idea is just like it's it's the, it's the soil, it's the foundation. And what is soil? It's dirty, it's messy, and you think nothing can come from it. But then like food comes from it, which is like the source of like us yeah. staying alive. And beauty comes from uh-huh. it because um, it's the 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 source of like plants and the flowers and trees and things like that. So. If you're able to cultivate all those beautiful things that you can learn in improv and take it to different parts in your life, you're able to just give mm-hmm. people a chance to get an idea out. Like, how can we, like, succeed if we're not allowed to fail? 
That is so right. That is so right. I live by that. It's, um, but it is hard to, like we were saying about even giving yourself some time. Like sometimes we understand the concept, but putting in practice mm. sometimes is a little hard. That I really try to embrace failure, especially in my profession. Like failure, it's, it's, It happens every day to all of us, mm. but sometimes it means um, some, you know, a pet's life is lost yeah. or you make a medical mistake and that is very heavy on you and then you have owner, um, you know, involved with someone's feelings. It's, it's, it's very heavy, but unfortunately or fortunately, there's no other way to learn mm. but failing, right? Um, I, I read a quote when it says failure is um, control practice uh, or something like that. And I thought it was like so brilliant. I think because it's true. And that's why you need to have those outlets where you can have like, oh, where can I practice failing where it's not going to be life or death or it's not going to mean like people mm -hmm. lost, lose loads of money on the stock market. Where can I just go like, let me practice like what it feels like to, to fail. But like in a situation where I'm present, I'm listening, I'm, I'm being there a hundred percent. But I'm just gonna, I'm mm -hmm. just gonna have to, I'm just gonna have to to go for it. But it, it is something that you have to just, you keep practicing and keep growing. You never get to a point where you're just like, even Oprah, even Oprah needs to get to a point where she goes, Do you know what, Oprah, I've got to sort myself out. You're not being as inspirational and living by the words that you give to everyone else. <laughs> uh huh, uh huh. Yes, that's true. There's a lot of pressure to be Oprah. <laughs> Monica, where were you born? Um, so I was born in the UK. So I was born in England. Um, uh -huh. my, par okay. my parents are from uh, Ghana, which is in West Africa. Both of them are okay. from there, yeah. So you, but you were born there. So they came, were they already adults when they came to UK? When they went to UK? So. Yeah, so um, my uh, mum was an adult when she came over. Uh, my dad never lived in the UK, so he travelled around a lot, but was mainly based in Ghana. Um, she fell pre uh -huh. pregnant um Uh, the I suppose the old-fashioned way <laughs> um, and then she had me um, in this country so like I'm like British born British uh, raised um, but just from uh -huh. um, African uh, descent so and then yes yeah, so I've lived all my life um, in the UK in England um, but I have I have I have gone to visit um, Ghana but I definitely see um, the UK as my home oh Do you have that in between? I say that because, although my situation is a little bit different than yours, because I was born in Brazil, raised there, and then I moved to the U.S. Oh, so okay. I kind of, yeah, I kind of like that home feeling to me with Brazil is very strong. But I've been here for so long already that when I go back, I, I feel like I'm not fully Brazilian anymore because I lost so many traces of the culture. I, one very... Uh, typical example is like personal space like Brazilians have no personal space <laughs> we are loud we talk with our hands we touch we kiss like we hug and here it's the complete opposite right you need to mm. to go to your friend's house you need to schedule it like in Brazil you just show up at the door and if they're not there you make yourself comfortable and wait for them like you know <laughs> <laughs> But he is the complete opposite. So when I go back, I, because I got so used to it, I had to train myself not to touch anyone, especially owners, like not to touch them, especially when they're crying. I can't like really comfort them by hugging or anything. Mm. And keeping my distance from other people, like their like perimeter of space. And 
And then when I go back, I don't feel like I'm fully Brazilian anymore. But when I'm here, I also don't feel like I'm American. Is is like? Do you have that feeling on you? I feel like when I'm here, I do. F I feel like a British citizen, but I'm definitely like mm -hmm. a black British citizen, um, which is different from if I was born from this, uh, born like if I was like not born in this country because I was. If I was like a white British person, but definitely uh -huh. when I was younger and I've gone back to Africa, I definitely didn't feel as African as I. The further I get away from Africa, the more African I feel. <laughs> In comparison <laughs> to everyone else, it's kind of like that That's thing. That's like, You know when you um you uh you like I don't know you buy something off Wish or you buy something off Line or you make something out of Pinterest. If you put it right next to the picture, it doesn't look anything uh -huh. like it. But the further you put it yeah. away and you turn away, you're like, oh, actually, this seems pretty much like it. <laughs> Um, this is so awesome. That's a great perception. Um, I definitely feel like that with my um with this, my sense of like being African because I can't escape from being African. Like it was born within me. So mm -hmm. like it or not, that is, that is part of um, who I am, but definitely mm -hmm. like in this country, people definitely see me as a black person. I'm treated such as, and has that experience. But when I go over one, um, I only speak English. My mum never spoke her language around me. Um, she was, very much wanting me to uh in her eyes she was just like okay in order to succeed in this country um we mm -hmm. need to fit in in order to fit in like if i just speak english at home then it'll be better for my child in order to progress like like british is best mm -hmm. which is like a definitely a massive thing that i've been like it's still a culture unfortunately quite now of like British is best and then that's kind of like a subtext of really white is best and white is right mm -hmm. so how can you mm -hmm. in order to be uh, seen as an intelligent worthwhile doing things correctly you have to do it the way of like what people perceive as a, as a white person and it can't uh -huh. and then then you're if you take color out of it then you, it, it's to be like a maybe a higher class white person because then it's because like you can be intelligent but if you don't sound like you're intelligent with what we perceive your accent or your voices then sometimes people are just like oh but should I listen to what you're actually saying um so I do feel like this is so on point mm, it, and it, which, it's difficult because you're just like and then this is something that you've been that we've, well, if you're growing up in this country, that we've all been brought around of being like, oh, actually, like, oh, let's make fun of that accent. It's funny. Isn't that person silly? Isn't that, like, that the one, this type of person can't be, like, intelligent or this type of person, like, just looking at them, you're thinking, oh, you're going to make trouble or you're not going to have a worthwhile um, input. And it's, and we've all been brought up with from this from such a young age. So to unlearn it, you've got to put in a real effort. There's no like, you can't just be like, oh, I think I'm a good person. You've got to be a good person. Then you just got to constantly be kind of just challenging your unconscious bias because, yeah, we've been, we've been brought up in that way and like history has forced us to to be like that. Even in, even in Africa and other countries, you, there's a long history of, oh, actually something coming from somewhere else and that being the right mm -hmm. way. Like, oh, if it's, if it's been imported, it's so much better like mm -hmm. well yeah. not necessarily well it depends from where yeah, yeah it depends from where it's imported I can tell you because and again I'm not and I do want to dig in with you about um, 
you know, growing up, as you said, as a black uh, person versus a white and living in the white world, I definitely want to talk to you about that. I'm very passionate about it. My We adopted two kids and my kids are black mm. and I am considering this country white, even though I do have white privilege. I, I'm completely 100% aware of it, mm. although I don't see myself as white, but it's interesting, but I definitely benefit from white privilege mm. um, because... In Brazil, I was not a well. I was a woman, so women are minority in a sense, not minority in numbers, but yeah, as a class, a group. But other than, than that, which is already very strong in Brazil, Brazil is a very macho society. Very, very, um, they really tame the women there. They really try to, um, but there, I was not a minority. And then when I came, and I, I'm highly educated, I have a PhD, like my Portuguese is like, well, not anymore now because I don't practice as, more, as much, but my Portuguese is very rich, academia level, mm. you know, very, you know, like, you know, I always went to great schools, private schools, my parents worked very hard to provide for us. And then when I came to the United States and as an adult, already with my PhD, my master's and as a DVM, as a veterinarian, I, I was automatically put in this category of an immigrant, Latino immigrant. And then I became the minority of the minority because I opened my mouth. And it's just what you said. I opened my mouth and you can tell I'm not from here. Mm. And you can tell, you can pick up my accent and I don't look like um, American per se, even though that's like, what is an American person yeah. if not an immigrant? But point is I don't have the typical look of a gringo that we say in Brazil like a person that comes from the United States um, and so people and I, I did what do you say like people would stop listening to me or not listen to me just because mm. of my accent and I have this chip on my shoulder here that I tell people I was like I swear to God that in Portuguese I'm smart like it might sound that I can't express myself as well in English my my English is not as rich and it's so frustrating because I know the words in Portuguese I just don't have the vocabulary mm. in English and it's what you're saying is so true people just stop listening to you they just don't want to even listen what you are they already put me in a box right there you Latina immigrant and you know and some people are surprised sometimes to know I'm a veterinarian I hold a PhD I guess I don't know it's just what you're saying is so true. And I think it's, it's, and it's so just so terrible to be like, oh, actually, someone will put you into a category and the category they've put you into of just like, well, actually, like, there are, you can be, you can have a, an accent that isn't uh, what people say is standardised American accent and still be intelligent. And it's, it's, we've been like, for such a long for a young age for such a long time it's been ground into society and into us so we don't even realize that we're mm -hmm. we're doing it when we're when we're mocking someone who is speaking to us what which is pretty much clearly and they might um, they might um like mix up the pronunciations of a couple of words they're speaking a second language and we laugh and we mock them and we've only got what like we, we only know one language like how did we how did we get to this point where we can make fun of someone who's who's speaking yeah. a second language and like you can yeah. understand what they're saying yeah. like you might miss a word or there yeah. or th here or there but they're you can understand what they're saying, and we dare mock them. <laughs> like, where, where did we get that? <laughs> I know it's, it, and I'm so sensitive to that. I'm so sensitive to that. And again, I understand. Again, this is not a problem, a real problem. Mm. It doesn't threaten my life. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not 
making this bigger than it is. But like, I hate like I'm talking about with someone and I say, let's say Apple and they post it like, what? I was like, Apple. Oh, you mean Apple. I was like, I just said that. <laughs> like, is you, you said the same thing I said. It was like, and, and it's like, ugh. or they go like, what? And they keep asking me multiple times, what, what, what? And I, okay, I have an accent. Sometimes I speak fast and I can see how it can be difficult, but uh, it's not impossible to understand what I say. And then people are like, what? They're not even mentally already blocked, not even making an effort to understand and, what I'm And that's because also, like, we need to make sure that we surround ourselves with diversity. And diversity doesn't mean, like, having, like, if we are a black person just being around black people it's about like the different hearing different voices because that's when you can tune yourself to being like there's another mm -hmm. way that people speak but I've, I've I experienced that when, when I was younger and I went to America and mm -hmm. even the differences between obviously vitamin and vitamin is said it's completely different so it's like a vitamin and a vitamin mm. but they're the two words I thought it's that I was quite similar with, but I suppose maybe because I've seen a lot of American TV, if someone says vitamin to me, I mean like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Like, it's fine. Yeah. yeah. But for me to go into uh -huh. a, a, a shop, uh, they was just like, we have no idea what you're saying. Like, what are you... I know. How can you have no idea? Like, you know, that's what I put, like, no idea, really? Really? Isn't that a little bit of a, an exaggeration? Like, if you hear the word, you're actually going to get it, you know? But it's, it's, it's the, that's your, your, base, your base of reference. But, like, if you don't have that base of reference, you are completely lost because you're just like, I have, like, what? Yeah, that's why you just yeah. got to widen your pool of people and things, the things that you're taking in. <laughs> and uh, how was it, you said something that it triggered something on me. Uh, how you said, oh, my mom wanted us to fit in and uh, grow in the British way, which is the white way, uh, the white, not right. Mm. But, uh, you know, to fit in and to succeed. And I totally get what you, where your mom is coming from. Um, because again, our kids are black. And the... <sighs> How was that for you? And people talking about code switching, and um, which is a thing. Mm. And, and code switching is not just, and correct me if I'm wrong, Monica, if I say anything absurd, please correct <laughs> me. But um, code switching is not just about the color of your skin, but it could be about, again, being an immigrant, right? Mm. When I'm talking to Brazilians, I code switch. Even if I'm talking to them in English, I code switch. And even the way I move my body is different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the way I'm professionally, I code switch, you know, around my peers and whatever. But I can see how people say that, you know, like, my kids are black and I'm sure they're going to have that code switch because one person told me when we adopted them, are you going to raise them white? At that moment, that comment made no sense to me. As I start, I was like, what does it even mean? But as I... um I saw that in a pejorative way, but then thinking about it and studying about it and learning about it, that they're right. I am raising them white because I'm white mm. and that's the experience I have. And But that's not to negate their culture, which even like in my case, in their case, is even deeper, right? Because they they are not African-Americans. They are South Af South African, like, because we are Latino, right? Mm. So we, there's another layer on top of that. Um, so the African American box and label does not fit them because, above it all, we are Brazilians. What is acceptable here or understood here as a gen generalization that how a 
African American United States should behave or talk or, or express themselves is not the same as a black person in Brazil. Mm. So, you know what I'm saying? Like all this mess, did it happen to you? Like, did you feel like oh, I'm being raised white? But like, did you have a identity crisis? No, I think definitely. I, I, how did I w- you navigate that? I was definitely. I was surrounded by a lot of white people, and I had a lot of white friends, and I definitely wanted to fit in. Like, I would like I was dying to have like blonde straight hair. I was dying to have a stereotypically um, uh, European um, features. I was dying to like just be not have my body being the way it was. And I think that's part of just mm-hmm. growing up as um, as a young person. But also the things that were around me, all the ideals of what was beautiful and what was valid and what was wanted and useful were all very white and European things that I was surrounding myself with. So when everyone's like, um, having like boyfriends and girlfriends and really like mm-hmm. oh the most prettiest person what do they look like well it wasn't me mm-hmm. and like yeah. oh people whose like parents are a little bit funny when they speak what does that look like oh maybe that's my parents or people that like mm-hmm. come from nice families what what does that look like and I think like we all just try and we, we, we like you said code switch we were trying to change it up and sometimes it is um for us to um, succeed we believe oh how can i succeed i present myself in this way and sometimes it's a form of survival of like oh actually how can i be seen of less of a threat in order to mm-hmm. um to survive so i i think i battled for a really long time because i definitely and uh, it pains me but obviously it was part of me growing up I was just like, I did label myself. I didn't say it out loud, but pretty much I was like, I'm black, but I'm like not that kind of black person, if you know what I mean. Um, and what am I saying? Mm-hmm. What, 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 is, what is that disgusting? Ba- what, what are you saying? What are you saying? You're mm-hmm. saying, oh, actually, I'm a black person, but um, I um, hold myself to the ideals of a white person, so I'm okay. Um, and also it's the brushing off of like casual and outward uh, uh, racism um, in order to not make a fuss. Because, like, we, you always never want to make a fuss. That's always the thing that you just, oh, don't want to make a big thing out of it. Because you're surrounded by people that haven't had the experiences that are same, the same as you. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you don't realise it. You don't realise it until as I got older and I surrounded myself with people from other cultures. that I was like, oh, actually, I need to be... I used to mock my mum. I used to say, oh, like, whenever she saw a black person in the street, she'd smile or, like, give them a little, like, a head nod. And I was just like, why do you always do that? It's because, oh, actually, mm-hmm. you need to have, like, a diverse... Like, you need to have, like, your people around you and a diverse group. Mm-hmm. Like, all the same of one thing is not healthy and it's not... Um, you're not able to to grow in that way. And as yeah. I've gotten older and I've able to to like find my different groups I'm like oh wow I need to be around women like it feeds me like I need to be around yes. people of colour it, feed, yeah. it feeds yeah. me I need to be yeah. around improvisers it feeds me you need to find your your different like pots of kind of like like personal growth from those those spaces so now as I get older I'm able to go I can relax into who I am like it's okay mm-hmm. that like my face looks like this because this face can yeah. be a beautiful face. Like, it's okay that my skin is like this because this skin can be beautiful skin. It's okay that my body is like this because this body can be a beautiful body. And you have to just really unlearn all those painful and dangerous things that have been spouted out um, to us from society. 
And, and it's so interesting because, of course, I'm exposed right now to all of these, having my kids. Mm. And um, I actually saw a video you. I was researching about you, and I saw a video you were on. It's like when you were too scared to say black. Which <laughs> oh is yeah, a hilarious video. I mean, I think it's hilarious in the sense that it brings. It's a way to get a conversation started without being um, on your face mm. it's, it, because it's a comedy, right? So yeah. it's a way to start a conversation. But like the scene you were in, um, the guy like gets in, well, it starts with him like all rolling on the ground, like all hurt and I mean, some type of accident. And then you come in, you're like, can I help you? So can I help you? And, and he goes like, oh, just drive me to the hospital. And... And then, am I saying that no, right? No, no, that's right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Multiple, okay. Yeah. And then, and then he throws the key at you. And then when he sees you, he goes like, "Oh!" And you go like, "What car? What car, sir?" And it's a black car. And he goes like, uh, "That one." And you go like, "But which one?" And he goes like, "Well, that one," because he doesn't want to say the word black. And and he goes on sketches like this, and is it is, and then he says, "Oh, I don't see color." He says to you, "I don't, I, I don't see color," <laughs> and and. I know it's funny, but it's like everyone sees color. Sees color. Everyone sees mm. color is a thing. Like we are not, you know, we are not equal in a sense that we are not all the same. But we deserve equality. Does it make sense what I'm saying? No, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, be... no, it definitely it definitely is the case. And also, not seeing color is a privilege, really. Being like, oh, well, actually, I don't, I don't, exactly. I don't have to concern myself with that. Well, really great for you then. <laughs> yes. Oh, and that's like I had a situation. You know, because now, and again, I'm not saying, well, why, why, poor me, blah, blah, blah. I, again, I understand my privileges, but now I'm having to tell my son he's going to turn 13 and like telling my son things that black moms have been doing, having to do for centuries Mm. and suffering themselves and having to teach their kids, which is like, we had to tell him like, you know, when you, it's very clear, Monica, when we are around them in a grocery store and we, when we are not, let's say I, I, I go grab a milk or something, I leave him in an aisle without me, and I look from far, the interaction between people around him when I'm not with him, and then when I approach him, how people treat him, mm. you know, like how my white privilege de- definitely bleeds into yeah. him and protects him. And when I step away, how that same person in that same moment, that same kid in the same place, the kid has not moved, opened his mouth, nothing. He's still looking at the same thing. When I'm with him, it's one, it's, he has one reaction, right? He gets one reaction. When I step away, mm. the reaction is different. And so I had to tell him, for example, hey, buddy, you can't put your hands in your pockets at the store when you're looking at the little cars, you know? You can't put your hoodie on. Because my son is athletic and he's beautiful, he's gorgeous, and he's, like, he's very, uh, he's, like I say, like, he's, he does, he looks, he could pass by being older mm. a little bit because he's tall and, yeah. you know, and he's very expensive and he's very charismatic. He's very loud, in, not loud in an obnoxious way, but, like, you know, you can feel his presence. Mm. He doesn't go. And that's beyond the color of his skin, honestly. <laughs> he's just very, like, he's a presence, you know. He's, like, he's there. And so I had to tell all of those things to him. And, and he was like, but, but you do that. But you, you put your hands in your pocket. And that was that moment where I had to tell him, yes, but I'm white. Like, you know, and I had to explain to him what that meant. And, and and it goes what we were saying, like, people that say, I don't see color, it's a privilege to say that in 
Yeah, and I think also... He doesn't have that privilege. And also, it's just like, it's that painful thing where you just realise, like, it's like when you think, oh, everything's really great, and then, like, that friend says that comment, and you're just like, oh, okay. And it just, it just... I'm just like, I'm just... I get sad, like, I'm like, oh, I just lost another person. Like, I see myself in a certain way, but then I realise that actually people don't see me that that way. It's like, you know, when you go out, you've made yourself look really nice, and you're feeling great, and then someone says like a really horrible comment to you and then you're just like oh "Oh, you don't see me how I see myself and then having Uh, to work that much harder within yourself to go even though people do not see me how um, I deserve to be seen I'm still that person like I'd I I still matter but some it's just survival as well like for now these are some things that we have that we have to do which is a really horrible or horrible place to be in and and when you talked about that um uh, that sketch uh that was like written and directed by my friend Ty Campbell mm-hmm. he it just brings up that conversation of because that like, is that funny thing like people hate saying the word black they think it's racist well um mm-hmm. really it's because racism exists and if you identify yeah. me as a black person you have then now that mm-hmm. you see my color now that you've got to then see the inequality and the racism that exists yep. within the system so yep. so now you need to deal with now it. now you got to, that's why like the idea of um black yeah. lives matter which is like an obvious concept and i think it's disgusting yes. that we actually yeah. even have to have a kind of movement like that but this is where we are um the idea of like black lives matter is putting color and that word on so many people's lips because oh actually now people are realizing that people are different and they're actually saying Mm -hmm. out loud so actually if you see me as a black person and you see all the other black people or people of color then you can go like oh i can see the equality more when you take that out of the uh, equation you're just like well it's just another person like you didn't get the job for that reason you got pulled over because of that reason like you're just like oh it just happens stop saying it's about race it's because you're choosing to go do you know i'm just going to ignore that part of it but when you actually like go oh actually this is a black person on another black person another black person and this is a yeah. really weird pattern here and you actually go like I'm not going to be afraid to like see race and talk about race then you see there's inequality and then you go fuck we are so fucked this is going to be really difficult <laughs> it's very far it's so so freaking far so 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 far so beyond far and the more I learn and I've been educating myself and again I, I will say this is not because I'm a great person blah 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 it's completely selfish because I want to care for my kids like mm. and and then I got really exposed not that before I was against the idea however I didn't experience it and I truly believe that if you're not immersed in that experience it's very hard for you to understand it is a hard exercise Mm. but but you need to like you said you need to expose yourself like you know even like social media like making sure you have like people of different bodies like so for instance like on on Instagram um, I have a an account that is completely blocked, like nobody even knows I have it. Mm. Um, And I mainly follow like, uh, that's where I get a lot of my feeding from like powerful women. So I mainly follow powerful women, but I make sure that I'm following like people that plus size, people that are different colors, different ethnicities, uh, different um, accents, different, like they look completely different than what I do. And I make I actually go back to see who I'm following and make sure that it's at least, um, you know, 50% of them are black or people of color, not necessarily just black. Um, you know, and I make sure all of that because that's that's how you open your eyes to things. And I started learning. I, I, feel, I follow a lot of Brazilians that are in the uh, 
plus size movement, which they say they say they don't like that name, and I agree with what they're saying too. But like, it opens my eyes. I definitely not skinny. I definitely not like in the Barbie model. Mm. But I'm also definitely not obese. Mm. So uh, again. It is getting exposed and, and what you're saying like it broke my heart because it happened to my daughter like it, it's being of such a huge like challenge to have her love herself and embrace herself she is freaking gorgeous mm. like gorgeous oh that girl is just and um we adopted her she was eight so she already came to us with body image problems and like you know not like like she already came saying I want to be white um, I want to have your skin color can I be born from you again mm. and and uh, why don't I have your hair my hair is not straight my hair is curly but open cur curls like right so for her that's straight mm. and um and so it has been a movement. We got to a point where she celebrates her hair and like we've been working on this. I've watched more YouTube videos than any person has ever watched <laughs> about hair. I seriously, I can braid, I can do whatever. Like and I love doing I love taking care of her hair. And so we got to that place and one day, just the scene that you described, she we got herself, we see it in the morning. I got her hair done and she's like I want this bow I want this and she was all happy about her hair and the things that we had put on her hair and she goes to school she comes back and she has been pulling on her hair all day long like to try to make it straight so it's kind of very stretched mm. so I, I can tell she has been pulling on it and immediately when she comes home she puts a hat and I'm like oh damn it what happened at school mm. and you know because she left home feeling good about herself and then she came back trying to hide herself from the world. It's, it's Western and beauty standards. It's like, it's, it's, it's dangerous and it's dangerous for people of color and it's dangerous for women. It's dangerous for men. Like we're, we're like, we're, we're killing our children, like literally mm -hmm. just because you, yeah. you're like, you are enough and like, you're allowed to have that hair. <laughs> like it grew yeah. out of your, like your so head. it's beautiful. Mm. Oh, but any, yeah, that is so true. And and I had an instance of what you're saying at work too. And and I'm saying that so people that are white like me, they can't open their minds to it because just this week we had a, a meeting at work, and you know everything happening, Black Lives Matter movement here in LA is very strong and uh, well everywhere. But mm. you know it was very close to where I work, and um, you know some people in the hospital, some of the technicians they are black, they know I have black kids, so they came to me to kind of express some uncomfortable situations that had happened that they considered to be offensive. And so I brought that up in a meeting and the meeting, everybody was white except for one person. And um, I said, hey, there is this problem. We need to really uh, not just not be racist. We need to be anti-racist. And mm. this is happening in front of us. And this is the moment for us to speak, blah, blah, blah. And then the comment came from a white person. Well, I just don't think we should talk about stuff like that at work. <laughs> Just like, and I'm like, well, it's happening you know, at work. That is, I was like, <laughs> first of all, yeah, it's happening at work. But second, it was, um, and the person said, well, it's like, I don't come to work saying, um, sharing my political views or who I voted for. Or, like, sh she was comparing to, like, you know, politics and whatever to not bring to work um, that subject and not to discuss. And I was like, you know, that comment you just made, it, it comes from white privilege. 
because you can afford not to talk about it wor- at work. Unfortunately, the person that went through this problem cannot because she's black. She cannot <laughs> I just, not I just thought, unblack herself I to come to work. I just you want to be black I mean? at work. If you should try not to be black at work, <laughs> I don't want to bring color into it. I know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I came black to work. I forgot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> So you see That's a sketch idea For you right there So um, Sorry I forgot To to take my blackness off (laughs) Um, But And that's what I said But people did not Take that well Okay And I am white Talking with white people People did not Take that well Was uncomfortable as hell For other people Because I couldn't care less And (laughs) um, I'm going to go to jail Even as a white woman I'm going to go to jail at one point because I I told my husband, like, the moment that happens to my son, I'm going to be that person looting everything, breaking everything, like going ballistic. Because I told I'm very predictable. I escalate. I'm going to be like that crazy Latina woman, the stereotypical Latina woman screaming and breaking the, the police office, whatever building but it's because you can anyhow. only you can only take it for so long like people are like why are they so angry because it's been happening for a really really why are you long... not angry yeah because you, mm-hmm. you chose to yeah you chose to uh, ignore it but i think also um what people were well some people that are in my circle are, are, are doing a little bit more and what i'm hoping that more people will do is get like be uncomfortable but still be present can still be uncomfortable mm-hmm. about something but still be present in it like for example if you're working in hr and someone's got a um a, a body odor problem you've got to deal with it it's uncomfortable but you've got to deal with it like <laughs> in order for us to work and for every, it be a nice place for everyone like this person has to, to change and they need to like they need to either wash or they need to realize uh-huh. oh actually like you've got a stronger body odor than other people. So you might have to, I don't know, uh, bring a spare shirt or just change up your, um, uh-huh. change uh-huh. up your deodorant and things like that. Like there's got to be like, the stink is coming from you. Like oppressors, <laughs> like change up. Yes. Wash up. Exactly. <laughs> and I had, yeah, I had an inflamed discussion at work too, because uh, two coworkers were talking to me and, and they had to close the place I work. Cause the, um, the protests were coming by and so they closed it for the first time in the history and and people are like oh this is an absurd that people are breaking stuff blah 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 and going beyond the point that it might have been the protest it might not have been the protest like beyond that like I'm not even going to that mm. but I told them I was like I was like oh it's okay to protest but it's not okay to um, have violence I was like do you understand that people are protesting because they are being killed and they were like, yeah, but like protesting with violence. I was like, do you understand that we as white people broke the social contract the moment we killed them? We cannot expect them to be peaceful when we are killing them. Like, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and they were like, no, but I was like, there's no, but they are hurting people that don't, uh, that didn't do anything. I was like, we all did something because we consent to it. It's happening and we're not doing anything to change mm. it. Therefore, we are part of the problem. Mm. And they were like, oh, but we're saying you, we, we, I'm not doing anything. Yes, we are. I am. You are. Everybody is. Because we are not doing anything to change it. We are seeing that happening. And honestly, it's opening my eyes. Like I'm reading the book from Angela Davis and like, 
of course, like educating myself and all of that, mm. but racism and, and slavery, it still exists. It just changed the name. Now it's mass incarceration and making them work. Mm. Like it goes beyond like in the United States, I don't know how it is in the UK, but now here in the United States, majority of people in prison are black and they are forced to work for like, obviously they are not, it's not a job, right? They're not profiting mm. from it. But the and prisons when, are pros- and the, the prisons are <laughs> correct. Not only the prisons, but like private companies because they're using their labor, right? Mm. And it's way, way, way cheaper. Like, and it's not like it's, it's not like they have an option, you know. Like, and uh, I mean, the people that are incarcerated, it's not like they have an option. And then some people work as firefighters, and when they leave prison, guess what? They are not allowed to work as a firefighter. Because they were because they've been to jail, mm. but while they were in jail and and they they could do that work once they leave jail they can't they can't anymore. I was like, what? That is slavery. Like that's just it's just a different shape. It's just a different name. I think. And when I heard that different, I, th- uh-huh, I think I think also it's like it's really nice to for the system to just like demonize a certain people. Be like, oh, if black people didn't act like this, if people didn't act like this, mm-hmm. to just put your kind of like your your like anger and your disgust towards somebody else but really it's the system that's broken the system that's failing people of color it's a system that is failing women it's a system that's failing um low-income families because they're saying there's a hierarchy of value on people and we just don't care about some people like yes um black people are dying and this is uh, um, and the system of oppression is disgusting but also the system's just trying to fuck you up because they want to say oh it's happened to black people and you turn your um turn your eye turn your cheek but it's happening to everyone uh-huh. it's happening to everyone yep yeah 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 if you if you end racism you end a lot of other problems too mm, exactly um, exactly they are bleeding to it yeah I want to change gears a little bit and it's not that I think it will be no and it's not going to be an easier topic it's just like I find it so interesting I'm learning so much about it you have on your website that you are um, black African queer improviser and I have to be honest with you that I had to educate myself on the term queer Um, and I even was talking to Luana I was like Luana she says she's queer is that like can you explain to me and then I went to research um, and you know here in the United States just um, June 15th like was it this week? Yeah, this week. Um, they there was a recent decision that now is um, is illegal to discriminate um, against somebody because to discriminate. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to like uh, I'm trying to look because I I wrote it down here. Um, yeah, workplace protection uh, to millions of people. Um, the Supreme Court um, they ruled the decision that is um, illegal now to discriminate against being gay, bisexual, or transgender at work. And that is 56 years later after the civil rights in 1964, uh, which again, just while we talked, right, like racism, the civil rights also bleeds into all the segments Mm. of life and society. That's not just people of color now. It was also the civil rights, again, discrimination against the base of sexual orientation and gender identity. So we see how it bleeds there too, right? So interesting and helps other people that are not necessarily people of color. Um, So... Again, it's prohibition of employment discrimination on base of sex. So tell me a little bit, how is that like, 
because definitely it must have been kind of challenging for you to with all of that, like that we already discussed, and on top of that being queer. Can you try to explain a little bit what queer means? So queer is like what I identify as queer is that means that you're not heterosexual. Obviously, people have different labels for it. It might be say they come from the LGBTQIA plus community, mm-hmm. community, or that people might say that they're gay or they're they're lesbian or they're they're asexual. But I just identify mm-hmm. um, um, as queer. Um, that on top of being female, identifying as female. That on top of being a black woman is it's just it's just a lot of shit you know <laughs> um I spent a quite a lot of time going oh actually I no I don't think I'm actually gay I don't think I'm queer because I'm just like because a lot of people said that like oh you're just so over the top Monica you do things for attention I was like maybe I am just doing this because I always want to be different I was like oh okay okay I'll, I'll carry on with my life and then as I've gotten yeah. older and I've just relaxed into myself I'm like you can uh-huh. be in love with a man but still identify as queer just because at the moment I might be with a man but doesn't mean that when it comes to love I'm not open to love with anyone from 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 any gender or however they identify and as I've gotten older and I've educated myself Mm -hmm. more I'm just like I've realized that oh Uh like oh actually it's like I I I can love a man I can love Uh a woman I can love someone that's Mm non-binary for me that is not an issue because for a very long time I go like oh I like girls but like I couldn't mm-hmm. ever be in a relationship with one. Um, mm-hmm. Fast forward now, um, me in a house with my mum and my uh, female partner. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I, I always just thought, oh, this is because like because like that's not a real relationship, and that's that's society and that's some views that other people's views leaking onto me, and I didn't even realise. I don't think I'd ever thought I'd, I'd discriminate, but really I was because I was going, well, actually, like you can have a relationship, but you can't have a relationship with a woman because it's not a real relationship, is it? You. You mean like you didn't think you had the options? That what you're yeah, trying to say? Yeah, I, I didn't think, think that was an yeah, option. Yeah, and I, I saw myself as not to be like someone that would discriminate, but really I was because you were because I you was. Uh-huh. I know how I feel. I was just like, oh, actually, no, I I'm attractive to women, um, uh, like uh-huh. physically um, and emotionally. Um, mm-hmm. So yes, you can have a relationship with a woman. You can have a relationship with a man. You can have a relationship mm-hmm. with. Um, someone who's trans or someone that's non-binary. And as I've gotten older, Mm -hmm. like I said, I've been able to like lean back and relax into the fact of, for me, love really is Mm -hmm. love. And it's not about fetishizing. It's just about the fact that like Mm -hmm. I meet a person and I can be sexually attracted to them and I genuinely don't care about their gender. Like it just happens. Mm -hmm. Like I like what I like and I'm able to go like, oh okay it's not about being greedy it's not about trying to you want to try something or to be different it's just just about who I am um which is has no problem too if you were just trying to yeah be curious and trying to see if that's why like again it's 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 being okay with failing, right? What is the problem of like checking to see if that's what I like or yeah. how are you going to know if you like, if you don't try? Like, and I think I, I was just not open to it. I was kind of like, oh, how can I reason yeah. this um, away? Um, and, and also like for want of a better situation of like, it's easier being straight. Like it's not easy being a woman. It's not easy being black. And then yeah. queer on top yeah. of that, like, and a lot of people in my experience, um, assume you're straight unless <laughs> you you tell them otherwise yeah. <laughs> or they have some yep. preconception of what uh, somebody who isn't heterosexual 
um, is like. And so for a lot of the times I could, for want of a better word, pass. So people can say mm-hmm. a lot of like, maybe be quite openly homophobic because they, they look at me and think, oh, okay, you're going to have certain views and they're going to mm-hmm. be very wrong. <laughs> very, yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, okay then. Okay then. I suppose that's the same with you of just kind of like, um, with like uh, coming from, like not being born uh, um, in America. And then like, if you don't speak, mm-hmm. people just make an, certain assumptions. And then when they find out a little bit of other information, they're like, oh, okay. Um, society says I have to treat you differently now. No, mm-hmm. treat me the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah. and also the idea of like, uh, with uh, um, homosexuality and like identifying queer in a black community is something that, along with like mental health is something that sometimes is like quite quashed or ignored of just like you it's the kind of thing of just like or actually how many people can be out proud and and black Mm -hmm. a lot of the time maybe in uh those communities and not all the time because we're changing it's seen as like it's wrong and this is the way that you shouldn't be um Mm -hmm. and then there's definitely stereotypes around like People don't usually think into uh, uh, they think about a lesbian. They're not usually automatically thinking about a person of um, of of, of colour. And it's also just yeah, trying to f- just finding as I get older, just finding like oh, actually, I can just relax into like who I am. And that's why when I put it on my website, I'm just like, no, this is how I identify. I'm like a, a black British African born queer improviser because all my experiences and who I am is part of my identity and it's going to lend and bleed into everything that I do. Yeah. And it does. It's impossible not Mm. to. Like, even I think the feminist movement has a lot of similarities and is connected to the Black Lives Matter movement so much. And and I hear like how the feminist movement is a lot about white women. And, you know, we need to be more inclusive and include because it's a different type of discrimination being a white woman and being a black woman. Definitely. Um, Are you fighting for women's rights? Are you fighting for white women's rights? (laughs) Yes. And I, and I'm aware of that. And, um, but yeah, but everything in my life became when I woke up to feminism and understand what it is. And I start like looking my behavior and how I was like, Whoa, like, am I doing this? And like, even raising my daughter the other day, I was going to say, Hey, um, Chloe, cross your, I was going to say cross your legs. And then at a moment I was across your, I was like, what am I saying? Why does she need to cross her legs? Like, why am I not telling my son he needs to cross his legs? Mm. And she was wearing pants, you know. I understand <laughs> you're not showing your genitalia, but like, you know, like, why would I, why was I going to say that? And like so many things. And, Learned behavior. And, and it's in you. And, and you, I lost friends. I lost, um, I don't have contact with a lot of people from my family um, because they think I'm crazy feminist like you know which I am and I and I'm proud of it but they don't share the same thoughts I do and that ha- that has consequences sometimes when you are vocal about it like you say when you self-identify I, I self-identify I'm a feminist mm. and you know and, and that and, and and at the end of the day everything's about it because everything's happening to me in a lot of the times it's a uh, 
a sexist problem, you know? And and I think it's the same with you, like in everybody, in, you know, all people of color is like, it is about race. It, mm. it, it, we're not making this up. It is about race. We're not making a you, fuss. And you're you trying know, to ignore I it. See... I think it's easy for some people to like have yeah. the privilege of going like, oh, let's roll our eyes. Oh, it's always about this. No, it is. Yeah. And you just really don't want to deal with it. <laughs> Yeah. And with the kids, like, um, I really try to embrace as much as I can diversity. Like when we have conversations about future, about life, and I say, you know, uh, I always say to both of them, like, let's say I'm talking to my son, my daughter is not even there. I say, hey, well, when you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, I always say mm. that. Like, I never say, I never assume yeah. he's going to have a girlfriend. So I always say, and in the for the beginning, he was like, what? I was like, well, I don't know if you're going to date a, a boy or a girl. So whatever you have a boyfriend or girlfriend, then... And then I, I start changing to partner and like in, introducing that vocabulary to them. Mm. And then... And even like with Chloe, like I never tell her, oh, so when you get married... Because like, right, why do we assume women are going to... Girls are going to grow to be women and get married? Mm. And I say, well, Chloe, if one day you decide to get married, I always say that. And I say, if one day you decide to have kids, like I don't say, oh, when you have kids, mm. I don't put that on her. Like, and so, and now it's beautiful because they, I see them like, like the other day, Chloe was saying, <laughs> well, anyway, it, I was like trying to tell her that I was always going to be with her, that I would never be, you know, we will not be, never be separating. And she said, and I said, well, even when you're dating, I'm going to be there with you, holding your hand. And she was like, oh, mom, you're saying that when I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, you're going to be there with me? <laughs> and it was so proud she said that, you know, like when I have a girlfriend or a boyfriend, because I guess that you're saying, like, if you don't want to grow up knowing that that's natural and that's mm. an option, right? You're limiting yourself. And also like, I like to believe that everyone loves their children and wants the best for them. Why do you want them to be in like, there's so much other things going on in the world. Why do they have to worry about what you think of them? Like, and them not being able to be there themselves. Like mm -hmm. with like, yeah. you're supposed to feel at home, like in your home with your family. And when a family treats you in a way that you do not feel like home, it's just so heartbreaking because you deserve better. And then like, and as we get older, we can then make the choice of being like, oh, actually, I do deserve better. Like, you can't pick your family, yeah. but I can pick where I am and what I surround myself with. And I'm deciding to not surround myself with you just because we're related. It doesn't mean you get a free pass. <laughs> That's right. To wrap it up, um, I want to ask you, what are you most proud of in your life? What am I most proud of? Um, it's a difficult and, oh. and not necessarily work related, you know, like, what are you really proud? It's a difficult question, if you think, to answer. Uh, I feel like oh, at the moment, I'm really proud of the acceptance I've grown to have for myself of um, and I'm it's like, yes, yeah, I reckon yeah, one of the things I am really proud, like, because I spent a really long time always having my hair in extensions and there is nothing wrong with extensions. But the reason I was mm -hmm. having my hair in extensions is like, oh, actually, I was trying to hold myself up to European beauty standards. The idea that I, mm -hmm. I couldn't have my hair out of extensions for like more than a, like a day and then I'd make sure that no one saw me. And I looked in the mirror and I was just like, oh, I don't even see who that woman is. Like, who's that random African woman I'd look at? And like that, mm -hmm. that actually, as I got older, I was like, that actually makes me really sad that like I can't mm -hmm. feel 
comfortable enough to just like have my afro out like to be comfortable within my body so I think and I'm I'm really mm-hmm. proud of the fact that like yeah I'm comfortable with like with being being me obviously we have bad days and good days but like yes, essentially I'm yes. just like I'm comfortable with like looking how I am my hair being how it is my skin being how it is my body being how it is and the fact that I take up the amount of space I take up like it's okay mm-hmm. for your, your yeah to be like that um so and that's quite I found it quite freeing because you can stop worrying about shit like that and worry about more important things I know I'm in a similar similar moment in my life but it took me for I mean th- I'm 39 so it took me almost 40 years to get to it's that a ju- point, it's a journey I'm like I'm still on it but it's a journey, it's a journey. how much time do we waste yeah. just worrying about those things <laughs> <sighs> I know. I tell my daughter sometimes it's like the quicker you learn, the quick like the quicker you're gonna be free. But it's it's a journey that yeah. you can impose that. But and what is the one thing that you wish people asked you that they never do? Ah, uh, what do people? Oh. Is there something, or do you feel like you always need to advocate, or is there something you wish people knew about you or oh. asked you? Oh gosh, I'm not. I can't even. Oh. Mm. Oh, I suppose, um, not maybe ask me, but like, I get really nervous. What? Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I can be quite a really quite nervous person, like before a show or before like something I haven't done before. So e- I think I've, even from a young age, I've practiced how do you, how to not look nervous how to like oh, be in a panic that's great <laughs> but not but, seem not, like <laughs> not sure that you are <laughs> yeah so my go-to is always smiling straight away so difficult situation and smile and look relaxed your body <laughs> relaxed that that's knows when I'm panicking when I go okay right no not a problem so this is what we're gonna do uh-huh. <laughs> um so yeah just to share that with the world that like I get super nervous if I do a show I get super nervous if I'm given like like extra responsibility and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I try and like maybe like second guess myself and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I just have to really push to be like, you're here for a reason and your input is valid. And also it's okay to yes. be nervous about things, but just breathe. and So okay. Yeah. Enjoy the moment. And everybody is. Yeah. Everybody is. Yeah. And enjoy the moment, right? Because... um that very moment that you are like before a show is what you always wanted, mm, right? It's all exactly it's the go, and then you get there and you can't enjoy it because you're so nervous. That's awesome. That's awesome. It's a good technique. Where can people find you, Monica? Um, go to my website. My website was made by my beautiful partner. Um, my website is www.monicagaga.com, and you'll find all the things and all your Monica Gaga needs there. <laughs> I know. I even saw that um, you can be. I was looking. I was like, "Oh my god, I might, I might need to hire her." Um, that they, they can hire you to be a host and to. Yeah, um, we can. I can. You know. I'm always up for a discussion of like how uh, how can someone give me a job, <laughs> and also <laughs> how can I um, spread um, the joy that is improv because I feel like it's a bit of a secret that like none of the improv community wants to keep. <laughs> We, yeah. we want everyone to know about it. Uh-huh. That's awesome. Monica, thank you so much. You are a delight to talk to. It you was so are fun. so wise. You were like it was so inspirational. Thank you so much for this. And I hope everybody enjoyed. I'm sure they did. And uh, thank you so much. And I will see you guys on the next podcast. Bye-bye. <music>
All right, all right, all right. The honest. Let's jump in and dive in in our segment, starting to talk about LGBTQIA+. What is that? That is a common abbreviation for lesbian, gay, bisexual, pansexual, transgender, gender queer, queer, intersex, agender, asexual, and ally community or ally community. So we are gonna dive in in those terms and understand what is what. It's very important to understand so we can be empathetic. And let's become by educating ourselves. Um, the questioning of one's sexual orientation, sexual identity, identity and gender or all three, is a process of exploration by people who may be unsure or are still exploring, or they might just be concerned about applying a social label on themselves for various reasons. The sexual orientation, the sexual identity, or gender does not always coincide with each other. Meaning, for example, if an individual identifies themselves as heterosexual, they might not only be attracted to someone of the opposite sex and have sexual interactions with someone who is of the same sex without necessarily identifying themselves as bisexual. The understanding that one does not need to apply any type of gender or sexuality label to oneself is relatively publicly and socially preeminent in the modern day, along with gender and sexual fluidity, which is also more openly discussed and accepted in today's society. Individuals who do not identify themselves as male, female, transgender, heterosexual, homosexual, bisexual, asexual, or feel their sexuality is fluid, they might refer to themselves as gender neutral or gender queer or non-binary or agender. So let's unpack it, right? Let's start with the concept of heterosexuality. So that is the romantic attraction, the sexual attraction or sexual behavior between persons of the opposite sex or gender. This is the, the thing that we believe to be more common or the majority of people identify themselves as. Cisgender, sometimes also called cis, cissexual um, and often abbreviated to simply cis, is a term for people whose gender identity matches their sex assigned at birth. So that's what it means to be cisgender. Bisexuality is uh, the romantic attraction or sexual attraction or sexual behavior toward both male and female. Polyamory is the practice of or desire for intimate relationships with more than one partner with the informed consent of all partners involved. Needless to say, people, consent, 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 always. No means no. And the absence of yes does not mean yes, right? If you don't say anything, if you don't answer, does not mean you want it. I tell that to my kids so much. If someone doesn't answer yes or no, does not mean yes. So that's very, very, very important. The next term, homosexuality, is the romantic attraction or sexual attraction or sexual behavior between members of the same sex or gender. The most common terms for homosexual people are lesbian, used for female, and gay for males. But gay can also commonly refer to both homosexual females and males. 
Transgender are people that have a gender identity or gender expression that differs from their sex assigned at birth. And intersex, that one was new to me as I only knew the former uh, name. So intersex uh, people that uh, intersex people are the individuals born with any of several variations in sex characteristics, including chromosomes, gonads, sexual hormones, or genitals that, according to the UN Office of High Commissioner for Human Rights, do not fit the typical definitions for male or female bodies. This range of a typical variation may be physically obvious from birth, um, but sometimes baby might have an ambiguous reproductive organ, or at the other extreme range, it is not obvious and may remain unknown to people all their lives. Intersex people were previously referred to as, as hermaphrodites. That's how I knew them. So I did learn something very cool today. Pansexuality is a sexual, romantic, or emotion attraction towards people regardless of their sex or gender identity. Pansexual people may refer to themselves as gender blind, asserting that gender and sex are not determining factors in their romantic or sexual attraction to others. Asexuality is the lack of sexual attraction to anyone or lack of interest in, in or desire for sexual activity. Now the term queer, which as I said on the podcast was also a new thing to me. The letter Q, it's sometimes added to the end of the acronym LGBT. Um, and now we also know the I and A and plus sometimes are also added there. It means queer or questioning. And beginning in the late 1980s, the label queer began to be, began to be reclaimed from its pejorative use as a neutral, neutral or positive sales identifier by LGBT people. Queer is an umbrella term for sexual gender minorities who are not heterosexual or are not cisgender. And I think the, the term questioning, as Monica was explaining to us, I think it, it better relates to what queer is. And we did talk about laws and rights. Uh, we talked about the LGBT employment discrimination in the United States. Um, it is illegal under Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And again, something that bled from right to civil rights with anti-racism um, and that bled into the LGBT community, you know, helping other layers of the society that was not necessarily the primary intent. So showing how when we are against discrimination, no matter which discrimination it is, it also positively affect, affects other um, layers of society. But anyway, that says that employment discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity is um, encompassed by the law's prohibition of employment discrimination on the basis of sex. But until the recent decision in, on June 15th, 2020, it was illegal in, it was legal, sorry, it was legal in more than half of the states to fire workers for being gay, bisexual, or transgender. Um, the vastly consequential decision thus extended workplace protections to millions of people across the nation, continuing a series of Supreme Court victories for gay rights, even after President Trump transformed the court with his two appointments. So that decision now, guys, on June 15th, came 56 years later. 
after the civil rights on 1964. So, and just as a reminder, it was on June 26, 2015, when the U.S. Supreme Court struck down all state bans on same-sex marriage, legalizing in all 50 states. Um, and just... Um, Last thing I want to say, uh, we were when we were talking about Black Lives Matter, and I mentioning that Monica appears on a sketch on a video on YouTube. It's completely worth watching. Go there, Google. When you are too scared to say black, it's really good. And with that, I will leave you guys to the next podcast. Actually, the next one is the last one. I know less time. I don't know what I had in mind, but last time I said that. The next episode was going to be the last one with my grandma. Yeah, it's not. Actually, the next one now is the one with my grandma. And I'm sure you're going to love it. She's so special. And that's going to be the end of our first season. So if you want a second season, let us know. Go to our Instagram, the underline Vera Head. Um, let us know um, what you want to hear the next season. And I will see you on the next podcast. Bye. Bye.